Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope that you are reading my efforts in the enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every week. And as always, my co-host is none other than longtime club president and Mustang hobby and industry guru, Mike Ray, who is known in the enthusiast world as the king of connections. Mike, tonight our guest is is here for one reason, that's because we have connections. And it's from a Mustang club president or former president. That's how we get connected to these great guests. Yep. It's, it's just a community. It's like we always say we're one big family and um, every Mustang club should be, you know, know who's in the other state and know who they're working with and how we can provide opportunities to each other across the whole country. Well, uh, let's not uh, keep this suspense going any longer. Mike, tonight our guest is a huge Mustang guy with vintage, modern and Fox body ownership currently he has a 66 Mustang GT Fastback 4-speed in Night Miss Blue. And one of the reasons I want to talk to him, because due to his law enforcement experience in California, he knows all about the famed SSP Mustangs. And we want to talk to him about that and talk to him about some of the stories that his cohorts may have told him about those cars. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Matt Timmons to the Mustang Owners Podcast. Matt, welcome aboard. Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. Really looking forward to this. Well, uh, we have to admit, we got tipped off about you, Matt, and your your ownership experiences from some guy named Mark Young, who who Mustang Owners Museum people will know all about. Uh, Mark does do some curating work now for Steve Hall in the museum. He also played an integral role in the 50th anniversary at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in of the launch of the Mustang Owners Museum, Mark Young uh, is probably one of the most well-known enthusiasts on the country, but not just for, you know, Mustangs. I think his specialty, Matt, is kind of like first-gen fastbacks. He is. Mark is an amazing guy, and it's funny. I met Mark uh, through my adventures in trying to track down Mustangs, and long story short, being out here on the West Coast, I had found a Mustang out on the East Coast, and I, I called one of our uh, popular classic uh, car insurance companies just to see if they had any recommendations of anyone who could go and inspect this particular car for me. And uh, the insurance representative was fantastic. He he said that they don't really deal with that, but because it had to do with Mustangs, they recommended that I called the uh, Charlotte Mustang Museum. So I did, and, and I talked to a real nice lady on the phone, and she in turn referred me to Mark, and I, I called him in the blind, and had never met this guy before and we proceeded to have about a three-hour conversation and we've been talking at least two to three times a week ever since and that was two and a half years ago and he's just a fantastic guy well he said how cool you were but i'm i'm afraid i think he may have said that because ladies and gentlemen it just so happens that both of these guys own a 66 gt fastback four-speed car and uh Mr. Ray, you know how those cars are when we had the pleasure of having Mr. Halderman drive around your show and what he thought of the, the first-gen Fastback. I, I think every car Gail would pick for the Moxham Mustang Memory Show Award 
was a first gen fastback. <laughs> is there really any Mustang that's more iconic? Uh, Matt, is that why you latched onto that thing? What happened? Yeah, it, it's a funny story. Uh, my first car when I when I turned fifteen, I, I bought a '67 Mustang Coupe, and it had no engine, no transmission. It had nothing in it, and being fifteen years old and and really just having a bug for liking Mustangs, I started buying magazines and and reading through them. And something about the '65 and '66 Mustangs just stuck with me, and and it was from building model cars and and just always having a desire to find that car, it took me, you know, 30 something years later to get to that point of to where I could finally put my hands on one. But every night I'm out in the garage, it's, it's difficult not to walk past and just stop at that car and stare at the lines and the aesthetics of it and just take a moment and pause and recognize just what a perfect design Ford hit with that particular car. Yeah. You know, Matt, you're a hundred percent right. And um, Mike Ray and I were very fortunate to, have a personal relationship with the guy who designed that car, Gail Halderman. Um, and Gail um, uh, became very good friends with us before he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, but he brought so many stories to light about the design of the car. And I think today, your car and anybody who owns a first-gen Mustang, those cars are still beautiful. They still are in commercials and they're still used in the media. They're, they're, probably one of the most iconic cars on the planet maybe you could argue the volkswagen beetle is more well seen but i don't think is more well loved than this these first gen mustang you certainly had that but that's not generally what people get when they get their first car when they get their first mustang they start out with a beater and then they work their way up so i i understand that mark young told me that you've um you've kind of owned several and you from Classic to modern. What what are some of the Mustangs you've been driving around? Well, yeah, like I said, I started off with that '67 at, at 15 years old, and then it got me through high school. And when I was nearing the end of high school, you know, I was going to move out of the house and move down to a uh, uh, a city that was about an hour and a half away. And I thought, you know, I should probably get a little more modern car and <laughs> and look a little more the part of college life. So. Uh, we found a, uh, a 91 uh, GT Fox body uh, 5.0, and, and that was the second car. And I drove that for several years. And then I got into circle track racing, and I was the only guy at, at uh, the local uh, short track who was running a Ford, and I needed a, a pickup to tow it. So I got rid of the Mustang, and I was out of the Mustang business for a while while I was going through uh, racing for, for a couple of years. And when I finally decided to get back into it, I got, I got married and, you know, my wife and I, you know, started having kids and it, it just, it was time to set priorities straight and, <laughs> and start focusing on family life. But I, I was yearning for a Mustang bad. So I sold the race car and took everything I had and bought a 66 Mustang coupe from there. And then, uh, uh, that car never actually drove. Uh, we got in the restoration process, but as you guys know, probably through raising families, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that kind of takes a back, it takes a back seat, right? Uh-huh. So yep. it it wasn't until uh, gosh, 2000, probably 10 years later that I, I started to get back in Mustangs, and that's when I got that that first SSP Mustang. I um I came on my department in uh t- in 2001, and I was working uh. Uh, shift one night and we we had this new sergeant report and he had a uh, a 93 fox body mustang and i thought i wonder if that's an ssp so i went up i introduced myself to this sergeant and you know 
started sharing my affection for Mustangs. And sure enough, it was a, a run-out SSP that he had picked up uh, from a law enforcement agency. And so that just kind of stuck. And, and fast forward 10 years later, I'm, I'm sitting in my house and I'm thinking about SSPs. And I, I thought about this sergeant. I'm like, I wonder if he still has it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, calling multiple people and finally tracked this guy's number down because I hadn't talked to him for several years you know, life gets busy and people go their different ways. And I get a hold of him and I ask him about it. And he says, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I haven't driven it for about eight years. It's, oh. it's sitting out in the field and oh. it was, it was kind of disheartening. And, and as luck would have it, it was sitting in a field in my hometown. And I, I said, well, I'd love to meet with you. I mean, it, it, is it worth salvaging? He's like, I, I don't know. So long story short, I, I we, we met up, I ended up buying the car for a thousand bucks and, <laughs> and, uh, went through it and, uh, put a ton of money into it, got it up and running. And it was just a true joy to drive it. It got my Mustang blood flowing again. And mm-hmm. I ended up uh, finally selling that to a, to another police officer and, and buying a, a 68 coupe uh, from uh, out in North Carolina and mm-hmm. had that shipped over to the other side of the, the continent and drove that for a few years. And then uh, it, it was just, it was time. It was just time to get the fast back. You know? <laughs> I I'd waited way too long and, and that's when Mark and I started talking and, and I found this, this particular one and I was running it by Mark and we were running, gosh, it had to be at least a hundred cars by one another. Well, what about this one? What about this one? He'd find one that he liked and I didn't like it, but we both, when we found this car, we, we knew this was the one and (laughs) the the rest is history. I've, I've had it for uh, coming up on two years now, just took a trip in it uh, down Big Sur, uh, down Highway One with with several other buddies, and I think there's those moments where you get reminded about just how cool Mustangs are uh, when you, you you get approached by people, right? They see the car, they share the passion in it, and it gets your excitement going, and and it reinvigorates why exactly you have this car. And and sitting out at Big Sur at the Bixby Bridge, if you've never seen it, it's just oh, yeah. it's an, an iconic place. And so the Mustangs sitting there and there are people from all over the world because this, this is iconic and they're coming up to our cars and my buddy's cars with Mustangs and they're, they're taking photographs in it and you're offering them, Hey, sit in it, climb through it. Yeah. And they're just ecstatic. And, you know, I think that's the powerful thing about cars and Mustangs, especially it doesn't matter where you're from. Everyone recognizes them and everyone has an appreciation for them. And it creates that bond amongst people to where you can literally have a conversation for minutes upon minutes with someone you've never met and it's just a pure joy of sharing that interaction oh for sure i mean that's that's the reason why we do the mustang owners podcast we meet so many people out there mike what's our famous saying that uh, everyone has a mustang story and you don't even have to own one to have a mustang story could have been your brother your guy down the street your neighbor your uncle everyone on earth has a mustang story and that's the beauty of the mustang brotherhood uh, that Mike knows well. Mike, how did you did you get your bug on the fox bite the same way Matt did? Well, that's that was my era when I grew up. So I graduated high school in 1989. So growing up in the teenage years, it was all nothing but fox bodies for me. And um, a lot of my closest friends um, at school and high school had Mustangs and got the bug. And I've just been involved since and uh as i always tease them they created a monster in me so um yeah absolutely true well your fox body mike is at the halderman museum right now in tip city ohio uh so you don't get to drive it it's kind of well you know so i've had nine mustangs in my life eight of them have been fox bodies and i also have my old five but um uh 
So uh, yeah, definitely a Fox body guy for sure. And uh, yeah, but you know what? It's nice. It's uh, my Fox body that's on display is one of four. And uh, it's just such an honor to have it at the Halderman Museum for the whole world to see when they come to visit. Well, man, as you might imagine, Mike being the president of that club and our exposure to the SSP community here in Michigan, um, we we know some of the guys that are involved in the hobby, a lot of the guys in law enforcement that tell us about them. But you have to admit, when you find an SSP Mustang, especially one sitting out in a field, those cars had to be beat to death. I mean, within an inch of their lives. Though, I mean, is it is it really worth going through and trying to get the, or did they hold up pretty well? Yeah, it's a great question. And Mike, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it as well. But, you know, I, at least through my experiences with the guys who drove them, they, they were truly treasured. I mean, you look at that generation of, you know, cars that were utilized in law enforcement at the time. Um, the Mustang was just so unique. And obviously, you know, the speed and the experience of driving it with the handling characteristics. I mean, they were extremely prone to oversteer. Um, yes. you know, they got better through, through development, obviously through, you know, when they came out in 82 up until 93, they only got better. Um, but you had to drive the car and you had to be one with the car and really, uh, be for lack of a better word on your game, uh, because the car was a handful and for good reason, it, it was built for a specific purpose. Um, it was built as a chase car. And so with that being said, I, I think guys recognize that, especially as you got towards the end and they were starting to be phased out, that it was kind of an end of an era and they took good care of them. And, you know, through speaking with colleagues, you'd hear stories where they'd hide the keys because they didn't want the miles getting too high on it. And, you know, they wanted to make them last as long as they could um, because once they were gone, they were gone. So I, I absolutely think that there were cars that were probably punished and, and driven extremely hard. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, I, I think you had, you know, guys who recognized just, just how precious they were and they weren't going to be around forever. So they took really good care of them. Yeah. See, that's, that's people don't understand that, you know, my dad was a Detroit police officer and he would get into the cars and be surprised how some guys just beat, beat them. And, and he'd say, you know, um, it's still, sometimes you get a fondness for a certain car and who, who wouldn't be fond of a, um, an SSP Mustang. Um, and they, they do the, it's like a partner, you know, and, and like you say, these cars aren't, you know, uh, front wheel drive, just step on them. They go where you want. They, these cars were, uh, these were, <laughs> they're a performance car for a reason. And for you to, I mean, rescue one, bring it back. I know a lot of people that brought cars back to life, brought them to a show, like with the one Mike has, uh, Mustang memories in Detroit at world headquarters. And they find out that they'll find the, uh, officer who spent the most time in the car he'll find out that the car was rescued and restored. And those guys will actually have reunions with their car years later to come see it and sit in it again, like, like an old lost partner. And this is going on today, Matt. It is. It's true. And, and if, if you look on uh, some of the forums and stuff, you'll see some of these guys who have, who have retired from law enforcement and they're literally throwing the license plate of the car out. Does anyone know where this particular car is? I, you know, I'd love to see it again. And, <laughs> I mean, you, you don't see, you don't see that happening with, you know, too many other police cars. Right. I mean, I think that's pretty special and unique to, to the SSP. Well, I got to tell you, I, it was so cool to know that you, um, you know, had that experience and, and, you know, I, we, we do love the SSP community, and I'm not sure if everyone knows this, you know, for the Mustang's uh, 60th anniversary, the Mustang Club of America has announced that they'll be holding the 60th anniversary event at um, Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama. 
and that's where uh, you know we they've held a big national before and they they like the area and they're going to go back for the 60th but 30 minutes from that location in Odenville, Alabama, sits the other Mustang Museum. Um, it's the Mustang Museum of America. It's owned by Bob and Gary Powell. And in that museum, uh, often a little tiny little town outside of Birmingham, is the largest collection of SSP Mustangs in the world. They have every single state and even the Air Force SSP cars, except for four. They're only missing four cars of all the cars they've collected. And if you ever want to see an SSP collection, make sure you get down to the 60th anniversary celebration in Birmingham. Make that 30-minute trip to that museum and go check out these wonderfully restored and all their liveries, all the different colors. and It's just off the charts amazing and i hope matt that you with your experience you'll get a chance to go see all those cars in one place well it sounds amazing and uh good for them for preserving it uh because if you don't see it it's just not the same as looking at it in pictures to actually go in and and sit in the cars and smell the cars and and just what an amazing venue they've created i would love to get out there and see it well i just throw that out there because you know the other part of it is that we all know, everyone in the world knows that um, there were lots of polls taken on Mustang ownership. And, you know, Mike Mike says eight out of nine of his cars were Fox bodies, but the one, the 05, you know, the, the 05 car did change uh, uh, the whole world a lot because when it came back, you know, people called, oh, it's, it's retro. It looks just like the original car. Ford doesn't have an original idea. They had to build a retro car. Well, you know, in 05, the Porsche came out with a new 911. And what did it look like? It looked like a 911. <laughs> but nobody said that they were retro. What Ford did, I think, uh, with that that car is they went back to those classic, that shape, that, that design of your car, um, of your 66 Fastback. But of that, a Mustang has gotten to the point now when that car was um, actually um, being tested out in California, I might add. They had no badging on it whatsoever, and yet people would say, "Look, there's a new Mustang. That's a Mustang. There's no, there's a, it's under camo, but just from the shape, kind of like when you see a Coke bottle, you know it's Coca-Cola. When you see the shape, your car, Matt, has become so iconic that you don't even need badges on it. It's a Mustang, and it's known all across the world. Is that kind of why you lean towards that original? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I wish I could you know, put my finger on it. It, It's just, I think you said it earlier. uh, They just hit the design, in my opinion, perfect on that. It's timeless. And even when, when they went to that 05 generation, like you discussed, and even to the 15 generation, which I owned a 15 as well, um, they paid a true homage to it. Right. And I appreciated the 05 at the time and I appreciated the 15 as well. And um, I, I just, I really, appreciate the fact that Ford puts a lot of thought into the Mustang itself as they continue to develop and it continues to evolve, yet they always pay homage back to the original Mustang that started it all. And There's not a lot of manufacturers out there who can say that they've done that. Oh. It's just amazing. No, that, and uh, so my question, because you've seemed to, when we talked to Mark, you know, you, you're in that same boat. There was many, many polls done on the Mustang and if you weren't a first gen fan um, saying that they're the best, then the second most favorite was the 6768. 
And so it's going back and forth and back and forth. And it went like that for years until the Bullet movie came out that really added the 68's um, global appeal. So globally, the 68, I think, has got more panache than the 65 and 66. But it's funny how owners of this first gen, they'll have a 67 or a 68 coupe. And then they're, well, maybe then they get a 65 or 66. And then they go back to a 68 or 67. And then now, now you're in a 66. I mean, you're going back and forth. A lot of people say <laughs> that when they went to the 67, 68, because of the big block, that they the car became more muscular. But there's something, I guess it, I guess I would call it a clean, simple design that's just pretty. The proportions are right when you talk about the the small block 65, 66. Is is that are you just going to drive this for a while and then break with Mark Young and buy a 67, 68? Or are those fastbacks now becoming just too expensive to own? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, my wife, bless her heart, has stuck with me through this car roller coaster and, and merry-go-round. <laughs> and it seems like every couple of years I'm, I'm, I'm selling a car and getting something else. But <laughs> I, I've, I've told her this, uh, you know, <laughs> it sounds silly. Life is so serious. And there's things that are probably more important to be serious about. But for once in my life, I feel secure. And it's because of the 66. Uh, I have yet to find a car that I have been so happy and so content. You know, never is a long time, but I don't ever foresee myself parting with this car. It just, it hits every button for me. You know, when I drive it, when again, when I stop in the garage and when I stare at it, um, it just takes me back to when I first got that Mustang bug and, and I'm just drawn to it. And listen, I love every generation of Mustang, I, some more than others, definitely. And I, like you said, I bounced back between, you know, the, the 65 and sixes and the 67 and 68s. And to answer your question, yeah, I think the 67 and eights have gotten ridiculously expensive and, and they're a beautiful car and I appreciate the lines that they bring. But, you know, for, for me personally, um, yeah, I, I think I found a home with this 66 in this particular style. Oh, bless you, because, uh, you know, we're Mike's watching this hobby um, as, as a president of one of the largest clubs in America. And then seeing so many of these Facebook groups just driving S550s are a lot of the clubs that their Facebook groups, they'll just go to a you know, club meeting. You'll see a lot of late model cars, which is great. And I'm glad the kids are enjoying themselves. But, Mike, you have to admit, um, a car show without seeing a first gen there is just not a Mustang show. Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, I did have a ton of appreciation back. Um, God, I think it was the last year we did it was 2012, but we used to park in generation and it was so beautiful to see the first gens all parked together and, and things like that. But the show just got too big where um, it took too much manpower to try to get them all in uh, the exact same generation. So we just had to park them as quickly as we could. But it was definitely uh, a sight to be seen for sure. Um, if you were looking for like first gens, you just to see them at a mile long, it looked like. Well, it, Mike, you have to admit, they, to get them to the show, they're older cars. You're a little more nervous about them. It's easier if you've got a, you know, a S197 or an SN95 or even like the new ones, an S550, just hop in and go to the show. But I don't want to see all those new cars. That's like going to a Ford dealer parking lot. I mean, I love Correct. the car that Matt has, you know, while Gail was so attracted to that car, he, you know, he told us that the, the minute they had the, the, the coupe approved, uh, the convertible was built at the same time they were launching with coupe and convertible. But at the same time, Matt, Joe Oros, who was uh, Halderman's boss at the Ford studio 
they were already working on that fastback. And there was a big fight uh, among the designers. Do we take the fastback all the way back to the back of the tail or do we give it some kind of little bit of a trunk line? And that was going back and forth. They decided on like a, a middle of the road approach, put it in clay, painted it red and rolled it out into the uh, courtyard behind Ford Design and kept it under a cover till Lee Iacocca came by. No approval, no, no guidance at all, just did it. And Iacocca came by, they pulled the cover off of that red painted clay uh, fastback and showed it to Iacocca and he rolled a cigar and he said, oh my, we, we got to <laughs> do that. He said, we got to do that. And that's how it was born. And that's after, you know, the coupe and convertible had taken off to an insane sales pace. The, the, the fastback just set the world on fire. And you, you do have that car that kind of changed everything. And uh, I'm so glad to hear that Mark Young's not going to be buying your car off you. <laughs> no, I mean, so my car's an A code. Mark's got the K code. Right, and, that's right. Uh, I call my my car the the little sister to his car. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm uh, I tell Mark this regularly, and and I don't think he needs to hear it. But I, I can't think of a cooler car as far as you know, '66 uh, Fastback is concerned than than the one Marcos. It's it's a K code. It's a four speed. Um, you know, it, the originality of it, it's just an amazing car. And, and I'll, you know, obviously, you know, we could all talk Shelby's and, and how amazing they are. So setting the Shelby's aside, I think Mark's got about the coolest 66 fastback there is out there. And uh, I'm, I'm just glad that I've got in my mind uh, a similar one to it because they sure are neat. Well, I got to tell you, Matt, I'm so pleased that, you know, you had both this wonderful story about SSPs and your experience in law enforcement. But the fact that you gravitated back towards this car, and I, I've been very privileged to have been able to drive Mark Young's K-Code. And I have to tell you, it was a, it's like takes you back to an era where you just wish we were all back doing cruising at that much simpler time in our lives when um, things weren't so crazy and complicated and expensive. And I got to tell you, those cars, they're just simple. There's something about the, how they connect with you when you steer them and the, the clutch and the, the, the transmission and how they feel you know you don't sit down inside of a mustang like a bathtub like you do in a camaro my wife had a camaro um and i of course she had to sell it before i married her uh but uh <laughs> but you sit in a mustang like, like you do on a horse you sit on the car and you're you're in control in the saddle and driving that car is a lot of fun i'm so glad you enjoy it and you know i, I just want you to make sure that everybody that's listening in tonight that has a first-gen car or is considering a first-gen car, just like Matt Timmons did, there are people out there like Mark Young who know about these cars can can help you find one. If that is your goal, your bucket list, Matt, you're proof that if you just know the right people, you can come across the right car. No, absolutely. And and, and I think the key word there is people. I mean, you know, the Mustang, you know, for me personally, has been amazing to where I, I, I've got the opportunity to meet amazing people like Mark Young and, and, and another buddy out here on the West Coast with me, Mark Molina, uh, just real briefly. Um, when I bought the 2015 Mustang, uh, I, I found it on an ad on Craigslist. It was exactly what I was looking for. And I called this guy who I didn't know. And uh, long story short, I ended up buying the car from him. And we're sitting in the bank and finishing up the transaction and everything. And I'm talking to this guy who I didn't know who just, you know, we had this connection through the Mustang, but he also had a 65 fastback. So he, he, he told me he had bought this 2015 Mustang. It was one of the first, it had the track pack, 
Um, it was everything he wanted. He felt like a movie star driving it off of the dealer showroom <laughs> floor. But what was interesting about it was he said, you know, I drove, I drove it for a few years and it was just such a refined car and it was so great. But the, the difference in driving experience between that and my 65 is why I'm selling the 15 and not the 65. And so I, I kind of processed that and I took the 15 and I, you know, I loved it and I, I, I had it for about a year and a half and, and I knew exactly what Mark Molina was talking about. And, uh, you know, he and I are dear friends. We talk every day through that purchase of that Mustang and he went on that big Sur cruise. We did it together. We planned it together, but I think, uh, making it come back full circle, the people that surround this Mustang community it, are just second to none. And it doesn't matter the age generation, you know, the diversity, the culture, uh, the car connects people. And that's yeah. pretty powerful. Oh, it is. And Mike, uh, you have to admit the clubs today have a lot of challenges, even your club. Um, how do you keep this, this whole Mustang passion across all generations? How do you keep that going in your club, Mike? I mean, we don't want to see, just all the new cars there's got to be some way to keep these folks with these first second third gens i mean i know i've done my part getting mustang twos to shows and sn95s were usually the, the entry level car for young teenagers because they're so inexpensive but how do you keep them come to the shows mike do you have a plan for that i think honestly that um the the owners of those cars like you said first second third gen when they have them, they appreciate them so much and they love to show them off. Um, like the Caesars, for an example, with their uh, King Cobra. I mean, they take that thing everywhere and they drive it because they're proud of that car. And you're not going to see too many of them. Like you said, it's almost like all S550s. Yeah. And uh, when you see those older cars, they get a little bit more appreciation from the enthusiasts that are there or the spectators that are there to look at those cars because they appreciate them. And there might be one or two of them there where there's, you know, 500 S 550s. And so those are just like a dime a dozen, like you said, like at a Ford car lot, not discounting Mustang uh, newer ones at all, but there's so many of them. So when you're seeing a nice 65 or a 67 or a Mustang two, you're going to go check that out because you know, that's um, at that time, it's going to be like a magnet to those uh, enthusiasts that are uh, on site to, to see them. And, you know, and the owners appreciate them and they're going to tell you the stories just like Matt's telling us tonight. And, like I said, with many other uh, enthusiasts that we've met um, over the years. Well, Matt, we're jealous of you because you're living out there in California. You actually do see first-gen Mustangs on the road every once in a while. Here, right now, they're all put away. <laughs> Long <laughs> Yeah, I mean, certainly pros and cons to California for sure. Uh, but one of the positives for sure, I mean, there's just such a great car culture out here. And it doesn't matter what part of the state you're in. I mean you know, we, we have great weather for the most part out here and, uh, the car culture is just amazing. And, uh, certainly, you know, there's, there's plenty of Mustang clubs around here. And, and like Mike was saying, uh, you know, you have people who just drive the cars and they want to show them off and, and that's what they were built for, right? They were built to be driven and they were built to be shared and enjoyed. And, you know, I'm just glad to be a part of it. Well, thumbs up to you, uh, Matt Timmons. And, uh, we want to uh, extend our thanks to our, our good old buddy, Mark Young out there in the Carolinas, who's doing such a great job for his club and the Mustang Owners Museum as well. Uh, if you have a question for Matt or if, uh, any of our guests or any on the Mustang Owners Podcast, you can always send it to Ford Motor Company at Clubhub at Ford.com, and I'll make sure to get it to Matt, whether it's about your love for a 66 Fastback or your love for an SSP Mustang or whatever you'd like to share. That's Clubhub at Ford.com. And we'll make sure we connect with all our podcast guests. Matt, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight and sharing your Mustang story with everybody out there. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure, and it's been great talking with you guys. Oh, it was our pleasure. And, Mike, we're going to do what we can to make sure those first, second, third, fourth, fifth-gen Mustangs stay on the road, and uh, we can keep seeing them come to shows uh, from now on. Hopefully, we'll see them for years to come and not make them just a rare sight. I agree. Let's do it. All right, folks. And so keep your eyes peeled for those early Mustangs. And until next time, we'll just have to catch you down the road.